Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I, I think it's twofold. I think one is maybe just understanding some of the, the issues surrounding, you know, this increased time in front of screens um, and the benefits of spending more time outside. I mean, I think just educating ourselves on, on this issue uh, can really sort of lead to you know changes in attitude and and potentially changes in in behavior the life in motion podcast is brought to you by actual outdoors they help build beautiful brands that highlight the approachable and authentic parts of outdoor recreation said simply they keep it real learn more at actualoutdoors.com this is a life in motion audio experience a podcast about travel action sports culture and more What's up and welcome to episode 133 of Life in Motion. I've got Colin Harris with me from Take Me Outside. Their nonprofit is committed to raising awareness and facilitating action on nature connection and outdoor learning in schools across Canada. I'm excited to hear his story and more about the impact they're having. Colin, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah, I'm super, super excited to kind of uh, dive into uh, what all you do at Take Me Out Outside. But before we do that, um, let's talk about uh, who you are, where, where, are you, where are you from, where you grew up, kind of what, what kind of led you down this, this outdoor education path? Yeah, thanks for uh, the question. And, and, uh, and again, for, for having me on today. Um, I was born in a, in a small town uh in alberta well not town sorry i guess a small city drumheller alberta uh it's it's renowned for its uh dinosaur uh, museum uh and and sort of finding remains of of the dinosaur era um but my family moved around quite a bit so i had the opportunity to live in several different cities and towns uh across canada and I think because of that, I sort of grew an appreciation for for the landscape uh, that exists in Canada, uh, which is extremely vast uh, and beautiful. Uh, and so it was, you know, it's it's been sort of a, a lifelong journey of of moving around. But uh, as part of that journey of, of growing up, I. I don't know. I think he's he's known worldwide, but um, Terry Fox is sort of a, a Canadian icon who who decided to who had cancer uh, and decided to run across Canada to raise money uh, for cancer research. Wow! I was a little bit too young to fully sort of recognize his story, but he has um, inspired many Canadians. Uh, and so I grew up with um, with this dream of also wanting to run across Canada, partly based on on the story of Terry Fox, partly based on you know some inspiration from from the Olympics uh, and the Olympic torch relay that happened uh, in 1988 um, on its way to Calgary. But but basically, I developed sort of this dream that that stuck with me for years. I, I think I sort of had this dream, you know, in my teens, uh, and it stuck with me. And, and so, you know, at some point I decided, Hey, I want to actually try to bring this dream to fruition. Uh, and so that's what I did. I, I had worked in the field of outdoor education for a while. There was a growing body of evidence that, that was sort of talking about, 
how much time kids were spending in front of screens uh, and how that was affecting their physical health. Um, and, and so I sort of wanted to marry this personal dream of running across the country uh, with, with sort of taking a message across the country and, and doing this for a cause. And so I incorporated Take Me Outside as a nonprofit organization. Um, and, and that sort of began the journey of, of this run across Canada. Um, I, there's several things I may have missed along the way there, but um, yeah, my background was sort of in uh, education, uh, more broadly speaking, uh, and then I worked at an outdoor education center in Ontario. Um, and that's sort of where uh, I really learned more about outdoor education, outdoor learning, uh, and and sort of tried to solidify this dream of, of, of starting Take Me Outside as an organization and doing so by by running across Canada. That's that I mean well one, it's a pretty uh pretty ambitious goal. So when um and when you say run across Canada, do you you mean like east coast to west coast on it? Like the the entire span? <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. So <laughs> it's I, pretty big. Uh, I'm just checking. It is. It's uh seventy six hundred kilometers. I think I did the math. I, I think the conversion is somewhere around forty seven or forty eight hundred miles. Um no, it's nothing for American <laughs> listeners. Uh uh so yeah, I dipped my toe in St. John's, Newfoundland, uh in the Atlantic Ocean and and ran for um the equivalent of 181 marathons to the west coast uh in victoria bc and the pacific ocean wow that's that that's amazing so uh, you know i i myself i don't think i've uh, completed a 5k so i definitely haven't done 180 whatever some uh, odd marathon so uh congratulations for doing that first of all um <laughs> but so so you know having that ambitious goal um you know what what went into that planning and like what what was the time like how long did it take and like the time of year because obviously you know up north weather is a factor those kinds of things yeah it was um you know there's no sort of guidebook for running across the country i think lots <laughs> of people have uh biked across canada um well i don't think i know lots of people have biked across canada uh not as many have run across uh the country it's um, because it does take such a long, a long time. Uh, I made the smart or not so smart decision of starting in January in Newfoundland. So I think part of the reason for starting in the heart of winter was wanting to visit as many schools as possible um, and and wanting to get as much of the school year in as possible so that I could chat with students. Um, and so over the course of of um, my run and this journey, I was able to go into about 80 schools across the country and chat with about 20,000 students, having this conversation about spending less time in front of screens and more time outside. Um, the journey itself took nine months, uh, and that sort of entailed, you know, I, I try to outline it for folks as simply as possible. There were deviations from this, but basically it meant running five days a week for 40 to 50 kilometers a day. And then the two days off were either rest days or, or going into schools. Um, and so it was a long journey. We had, um, 
a really horrible support vehicle um, to begin with. My friend uh, Sarah helped me uh, for the first five months. Um, and so, yeah, there were there were different parts of the journey, but um, it, it was uh, definitely a journey I won't repeat. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's amazing. And I de- excuse me, I definitely want to get into the, the school aspect of it. But that's one thing you mentioned that I'm, that I'm curious about. You know, I've 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 speaking to you know lots of or spoken with a lot of people that have you know done long distance uh, through hiking and stuff. You know, where they're you know obviously backpacking and and everything kind of incorporated with that. So so in this case, was it like uh, I think Sarah you mentioned was she just like following you like with like you know supplies and stuff because obviously you're not running uh, you know with a big back a backpack that has a bunch of stuff in it, right? Yeah, exactly. There's um, in Canada, there's a there's a highway called the Trans Canada Highway that that basically goes from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast. Uh, And so, you know, once we got into the routine, uh, it was basically Sarah would drive me to my starting point for the day. I would get out of the RV. I'd run 20 to 25 kilometers. Uh, I'd stop for lunch, have lunch. I'd go back out to the highway, run another 20 to 25 kilometers. And she would sort of park wherever she could. She didn't follow behind me. Um, it was a big RV. And, <laughs> and I think starting in the winter, uh, there was a degree of um, safety involved. So actually, I ran on the other side of the highway facing traffic, um, which made it feel at least a little bit safer. Yeah. Um, but she would, yeah, she would find a spot to stop 20 to 25 kilometers for lunch. And then she'd find a spot 20 to 25 kilometers later to uh, pick me up at the end of the day of running. (laughs) No, that's really interesting. Um, Like I said, I've, I've, I've I've talked to people that have through hiked and, but not actually, you know, ran, ran across, um, you know, super long distance like that. So that's great. So when, you know, when you wanted to kind of, um, you know, pair, pair that goal with, you know, making an impact and, you know, working, uh, you know, in this case specifically, uh, take me outside where, like, what did that like planning, like, what did that look like? Um, you know, like, you know, you mentioned you went in and spoke to different students and that kind of stuff, but I, I guess what were some of the more, I guess, details of, of that aspect of that run? Yeah, I mean, you know, we were sort of, we didn't really know how it would pan out. So, I mean, in terms of the run, um, you know, it it was really trying to just have that initial conversation, open the door a crack with getting students to think about this conversation, um, you know, based on some of the research, based on some of their own observations. I mean, you know, the students were smart. They knew that, you know, spending too much time staring at a screen uh, is not good for your eyes. They knew that too much time sitting down, you know, playing video games or watching TV or surfing the internet uh, is just not good for your physical health. Um, I think, you know, 10 years later, they know that, you, you know, there's so much more research that not only speak to our physical health, but our mental health, our emotional health, uh, et cetera. So it really, this conversation has broader impacts on, on our health and well-being than I think we knew, uh, when I did this run across the country, but really Jeremy, it was trying to find, you know, connections with schools, chat with students briefly. The reality is I had to sort of 
keep running. So I couldn't spend too long with a school. It was really just going in, you know, and, and having an hour, hour and a half of students. Um, but, but that helped build relationships with teachers. And it's really sort of the educators uh, that have that, that biggest impact on students. And so the hope was to, to sort of impact teachers thinking as well. Uh, and that has really shifted into the core work that Timmy Outside does organizationally, which is really focusing on, you know, we call it broadly speaking, outdoor learning, which, you know, entails outdoor education, place-based education, environmental education, uh, experiential education, any education that really sort of gets students outside of the classroom, outside of learning from some sort of mediated experience. Uh, and gets them hands-on uh, learning often outside. Yeah, no, that's so, so, you know, with, as you're, as you're, you know, running across there and, you know, popping in and out of schools were, were a lot of the kids like, did, did you get any strange, like, were, were they like really like inspired? Like, wow, you know, we, we should get off more screen, you know, if, if uh, uh, this guy can, you know, run across uh, Canada or was it like a lot of like um, uh, curiosity, I guess, in that point? Like any, yeah, any good stories, probably, I guess I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's 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 it was probably a mixed bag. I mean, I you know, I think you with these things that we pursue in life, you never fully know the impact that you're going to have on the people that you speak with, the people that you have interactions with. Um, I think certainly, you know, there were moments of feeling uncomfortable because students would would sort of compare me to Terry Fox and and that sort of you know at one level didn't didn't feel right um and and wasn't something that that uh, you know as a as a self sorry as a self um professed introvert uh you know that i sort of could relate with he was he was he had such a different kind of impact um, but, but nonetheless, you know, whether it was students sort of drawing that comparison or having a degree of excitement because, you know, we created this little YouTube video, um, before we started the run and, and so teachers would, would show that to their students. And I think there was, you know, there's still something about seeing someone on a screen and then seeing someone in real life. And so, you know, to, a lot of elementary school students, I, I think there was uh, this element of, oh, this is a person I saw on a screen. <laughs> um, you know, and then you heard little stories of, you know, I there's a high school um, student in Quebec who talked about uh, someone in his family. Um, and it was a different sort of message, but, you know, someone in his family who had cancer, I think he heard my story that day and sort of related it to what was going on in his life. And he came up to me after and, and said, Hey, like, you know, you've inspired me. I want to do something um, like this when, when I get older. So again, there's so many stories that go unheard, but I, I think you have to trust that, you know, what you're doing is, is the right thing uh, that you're doing it with conviction and, and if you feel like you're doing the right thing, then yeah, I think it's, it is tough to know the impacts that you have on students, but, but you trust that there are some, in, some 
some impacts, but admittedly, like I think those longer lasting impacts come from their teachers. So again, the run across Canada and, and the visits to schools were really just a means, I think, to to start those conversations between uh, the students and and their own teachers. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's, you know, that's a, a great point or like you said, start the conversation and, you know, the, the, the teachers are the ones that are there kind of, you know, with the kids daily to kind of build that, that curiosity and obviously make those steps. So, but, you know, there's always, there's always those little catalysts that help change that. And, you know, I, in this case, it sounds like you were definitely one of those. So that's, that's awesome. So, so you, after you, you kind of finish that, that trek across uh, Canada, obviously, um, kind of make an impact working with uh, take me outside and that stuff. What, what kind of, what kind of happened um, after that, as far as like the relationship and stuff with, with take me outside and, and, and how things kind of grown since then. Yeah. You know, on these journeys, like I think after spending nine months running across the country and ending up on the West coast of the country, I, I admittedly, I felt a little bit lost. I, I had sort of I was in a master's program for environmental education. I'd put that on pause. Uh, so when I finished the run, I still had a, a thesis to write. Um, I procrastinated <laughs> on that as long as I could. Um, but really sort of, you know, the heart of it was on the on the last sort of day of running across the country, we decided a few weeks prior to finishing, we, we decided to call it Take Me Outside Day. Um, and... We wanted to invite all the schools that I had visited to to sort of not only celebrate the end of the run across the country, um, but to help raise awareness about the importance of getting outside uh, and the importance of outdoor learning. And I would say over the years, that initiative has has grown. Um, we actually just sort of so I finished the run across Canada sort of the end of October. And so every year at the end of October, we have what's called Take Me Outside Day. Um, and so we just had that a few weeks ago. Uh, this this year we had, actually we had teachers predominantly from, from Canada, but from the U.S. as well. And we had teacher representation from all over the world. But we had a, about 6,500 teachers wow. and 350,000 students participate. And so that initiative has really grown um, as an awareness raiser, trying to advocate for the importance of, of students learning outside. Uh, and so that's, it's kind of been neat to, to see, um, you know, that, that small number of schools that I visited 10, 11 years ago, and, and to see what it's grown into, uh, over the past decade. And, and I think along with the partner organizations that we work with, uh, and there's a growing number of partner organizations in the U.S. Um, that we're really trying to focus on on bringing that awareness around outdoor learning to to schools, to teachers, to administrators, um, and and trying to again start that conversation around what are the benefits of students learning on the land um, outside versus learning uh, in a classroom in front of a in front of a laptop. Yeah, no, no, especially, you know, with that many, um, uh, that, that many teachers just, you know, for, for taking me outside day or whatnot to get involved with that. It, I mean, it, it seems clear that, you know, there's a lot of buy-in there. So, so, you know, when you're, when you're not, you know, you mentioned obviously the, the idea is to get more students outside and, 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 uh, kind of shift their learning environments and what they're learning about in that sense as well. 
how is that really just those those um, relationships with with the teachers and schools and whatnot? Is it is it like you know giving them I don't know if curriculum is the right word or not, but give them ideas in that sense of that support. Yeah, I there's there's a few sort of approaches that that we take. Um, I mean, again, I think initiatives we try to like take me outside day. We have. Um, you know, we have a winter challenge, we have student video contest. I, some of these initiatives that we run are really just conversation starters. They, again, they try to open the door a crack. Um, and if a teacher is willing to, to sort of engage, um, then that, that starts the conversation, not only with the teacher, but hopefully with their students as well. Um, you know, one of the partners that we have is the outdoor learning store. I believe you had Jade on, uh, yeah, uh, not too long ago. And and so that partnership with Team Outside and the Outdoor Learning Store, we provide sort of um, educational workshops uh, for teachers uh, across the country and the U.S. Uh, that bring in sort of experts in the field and and provide sort of resources, activities, professional development for teachers to to sort of become better at 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 potentially taking their learning outside. Um, some of the work we're involved with, with partners, it does involve some policy work. So trying to, in essence, trying to change sort of the education system to consider how important it is and how beneficial it is for learning to happen outside. Um, there are a lot of barriers that come with that, but I think, you know, this is the work we're immersed in is, is trying to, uh, advocate for and and shift the needle a little bit within the education system. I mean, research really shows that students are predominantly learning in a classroom and they're increasingly learning in a classroom with the use of a screen-based technology or some sort of mediated experience. And it's not to pit one against the other. There's, there's definitely a time and a place for students uh, having technology incorporated into their educational day, um, there's no question. I mean, that's that's sort of when we talk about where we're at in the 21st century, uh, that technological piece, that digital age that we're in is, is extremely important and can be extremely beneficial. So it's not pitting one against the other, but I think the conversation revolves more around trying to find balance. Um, yeah. The amount of time that kids are spending in front of screens, whether it be at home or during the school day, it is the research is overwhelmingly showing some of the negative benefits of that cumulative time in front of screens. And so I think the work that we're immersed in is is saying, listen, here are the benefits of kids spending time outside to do with their health and well-being. Um, but the research goes well beyond that. I mean, it's supportive of, you know, kids who are learning and spending more time outside or doing better in school. Um, you know, when we talk about issues like reconciliation with Indigenous peoples, um, that connection to the land is extremely important. Um, there are so many opportunities for students to learn in a positive way from learning outside. And I think you know, the core of the work is to just try and find better balance, to try and um, sort of convey to teachers and administrators and the education system as a whole, 
that as far as learning environments go, we don't have to be limited to a classroom uh, and the and the technology that exists within that classroom. Um, you know, we have a part of what Take Me Outside does. We have some some apparel that we sell. We have some T-shirts that we sell, uh, and one of the T-shirts has the slogan "Not all classrooms have four walls." And I think that's a yeah. you know that speaks to some of the work that we're immersed in uh, of trying to sort of educate the education system that education can happen, that learning can happen outside of four walls on the desk. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and like you said, finding that, that balance and using those, the, the tools at the right time, you know, when they're needed, they're not necessarily always needed in that case. And I know like a lot of, you know, what you do is, is working within the educational system, but so out of care and not, not, and there is some policy to it, as you mentioned, but so out of curiosity, like from a, policy standpoint like when you're trying to help shift that perspective i mean what are is that like a required time outside or like what what would that even look like yeah it's a good question i mean there's been you know i think one of the hard parts is that at least in canada um it the education system is is sort of governed provincially uh, and territorially so each province uh, and territory might have slightly different um approaches to this and then even within a province school boards might have different approaches to this so it's it's really it, it's really sort of a a bottom up um approach that we've seen the most uh impact with you, you know so again that comes down to teachers who take an interest in in their students learning outside who sort of fundamentally believe themselves that that time outside is important. And so that gets transferred to the work that they do with their students. You have school administrators who feel strongly about this area. And, and so they become advocates of it. Um, but it is sometimes it feels like more of this bottom up approach, which I think can be powerful um, as opposed to a top down approach. But I think, yeah, I think, it's a nuanced conversation because there are so many factors involved. I mean, I think from a policy level, you know, you have a contained classroom uh, that sometimes feels like it's a more controlled environment, learning environment. Uh, and I think there's a perception sometimes that, that taking kids outside could just be chaos. Um, but if you speak with teachers who are sort of well-versed, in taking their students outside, it, there can be actually some really positive um, effects with behavior that happen outside as opposed to inside. So I don't know whether I'm answering your question fully, but yeah. I, I think it's a combination of, it, it really is a combination of continuing that momentum of sort of a bottom-up approach and getting more educators on board with, with, some of the benefits that outdoor learning offers uh, and, and hopefully that then can be supported by more of a top down approach where there could be more mandates. Um, but maybe more importantly, more support, whether that's infrastructure or, or uh, removing some of the barriers that exist when it comes to students learning outside, I think, uh, that top-down approach could really help support teachers and the education system to 
to sort of implement this this kind of uh, approach to education. Yeah, no, absolutely. That makes sense. Kind of start at the at the grassroots level and then have that filter to the top and then kind of goes full full circle. Um, so so I kind of, you know, to that point, like where where I guess are the, the next steps in the in the growth of, of what you're doing and kind of like where do you where do you see um, yourselves kind of going going next as far as like focuses and that kind of stuff or different uh, specific initiatives? Yeah, I mean, you know, in many respects, like we have Take Me On Side has good reach, especially with our partners, but but we're still sort of a, a grassroots organization. And I think, you know, anyone you talk to in the, in the nonprofit world um, would say that that this work is is tough at times. It's tough to find funding. It's tough to sustain that funding. Um, and so, you know, the projects that we might want to pursue are, are depending on are dependent on that funding. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, at the heart of the work that Timmy Outside is doing, I think really our role is to try and engage educators in this conversation. Um, are there more initiatives and projects that we'd like to do? Absolutely. Um in terms of frontline boots on the ground work, it's it's really the teachers who are doing that. And so it's trying to support uh, the teachers and and enable them to, to have this pedagogical approach to, with their students um, and to, you know, and to not only support them sort of with the resources and the professional development and the activities that we offer, but to um, support their well-being as well. I think there's this interesting correlation between, you know, right now, especially coming out of COVID, there's a real, teachers are burnt out. Uh, teachers have way too much on their plate uh, and there a lot of teachers are struggling. And so it's, you know, there needs to be a focus on teacher well-being. And I think that can come through, we know the restorative effects of of time outside and and that that is true for teachers as well uh and so if we can get more teachers spending more time outside in their personal lives that has a trickle effect um to on on their students uh and so yeah and i think the last thing i'd say about the the kind of work that Timmy outside is doing is you know we really want to try and focus on sort of that creative aspect of, of the work that we do. Um, you know, I, I think one example, you know, a few years ago, we made sort of this, this little short film that we submitted into some film festivals around like kids tobogganing for a day in the winter and just spending time outside. Um, and, and it was received fairly well, but it was a creative approach I think sometimes, you know, again, it's a balance. I think we need to, especially within education, we need to draw on some of the research uh, that is available to us. And we we need to use that evidence-based research to, to, um, to really sort of, what am I trying to say here? Uh, we need to use that evidence-based research to, to back up um, what we're trying to promote and, and advocate for. But I think sometimes there's this gap between research and the general public or research and what gets put into practice. 
And so if we can do a better job creatively, and a lot of that centers around storytelling uh, and really trying to tell a good story, if we can tell a good story and we can do it creatively and have that research as, as a backing, I think those are sort of the kinds of ways that we're trying to approach the work that we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of kind of tying the research and the creative aspects to kind of get that larger reach there. And I, and I love the idea too about, you know, if if the the teachers are um, experiencing you know benefits from being out outside more, then you know they can start applying that within their their classroom and whatnot. So so I guess to that you know that kind of brings up one of uh, the, the questions I always like to ask our guests is one piece of advice and. You know, for I guess this is might be a little bit of a different one, but you know, you mentioned um, you know one one key thing is getting the teachers engaged um, to be supportive of kind of this this shift. So if if you were just like a parent in a random town and uh, maybe didn't have a an organization to kind of amplify that message, um, such as yourselves. What would you tell them to to kind of start that conversation with with their teachers, with their education, um, their school board or whatnot um, to get that conversation started in their own community? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I, I think it's twofold. I think one is maybe just understanding some of the issues surrounding, you know, this increased time in front of screens um and the benefits of spending more time outside i mean i think just educating ourselves on on this issue uh can really sort of lead to you know changes in attitude and and potentially changes in in behavior um you know i think it's i'm always there's lots of good educators there's lots of good people within education uh, who do rely heavily on on sort of research. I, I think for parents or individuals that that might be listening, I think my biggest piece of advice would just be to be a role model. I think especially in terms of being cognizant, being aware of how much time, and I'll be specific here, how much time we spend looking at our phones. <laughs> yeah. I think to me that is, it, it's really indicative of, you know, when we talk about sort of the age that, that our kids are growing up in, we know that, you know, these phones are amazing, powerful tools, but are there moments that, we are giving st students that we are giving our kids where they take a break from those screens, where they take a break from those phones. Um, and I think in order to do that, sometimes we, we get, we get sort of, it's tempting to sort of revolve this conversation around kids and, and the impact that screen time has on kids. But, but, there's growing research around the impact that screens have on adults as well. Um, and I think as adults, you know, whether we're parents, whether we're just individuals uh, in our communities, I think being that role model for kids and showing them that, you know, when you're standing in line at the grocery store, you don't have to default <laughs> to taking your phone out of your pocket to scroll through, you know, TikTok or Instagram or, or whatever. Um, 
you know, you can just take a moment, maybe make eye contact with with someone and and give a smile. I think, you know, there's lots of research around sort of that creativity that exists within our brains that gets um, that gets dampened when we pull out our phones. You know, if we stood in line at a grocery store for all of 30, 45 seconds, there are thoughts that have the ability to go through our heads, to produce ideas, to think about something. But when we pull out our phone, all of that potential disappears. Uh, and our attention is going towards something that ultimately, I mean, there's so much, I, I feel like I could ramble on for a while. I mean, there's so much research emerging about sort of social media and predominantly that's that's the time spent on our phones is is on these social media apps. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, without, <laughs> without wanting to get up on a soapbox here, I, I think that's, I, I think if I had one piece of advice, which I, you know, admittedly is difficult to follow. I mean, these phones are designed and built to keep our attention. Um, and it's really difficult to break away from that. But I think that's where, you know, my advice would come, would come in of, of just making an attempt to be, be cognizant of, of how much time you're spending looking at your phone. Yeah, no, no. I mean, that totally makes sense. And especially, you know, being a good role model, even being uh, aware of what you're doing kind of throughout the day with your phone, uh, catch myself doing that all the time, of course. So that yeah, uh, kind of helps, <laughs> helps everybody in that case. But so if, um, if people want to learn more, more about, um, take me outside, if they want to get involved, um, you know, look forward to those, those different, uh, creative avenues that you mentioned as well. Um, where, where could they find you? Yeah, I mean, I think just a, a quick, you know, the typical quick Google search of Take Me Outside would lead you to all the right directions, whether it be our website, you'll find Take Me Outside on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we are not quite there with being on TikTok, but um, uh, yeah, uh, you can find Take Me Outside on all those social channels. And and uh, if you're willing to sort of take some time and look at what we're doing. Uh, I think there might be something in there that we have lots of resources that we offer, uh, particularly on the website that really sort of speak to what we've talked about today um, and some really solid resources, not only for educators, but I think for, for just people uh, in the public as well. Absolutely. Well, everyone definitely uh, make sure you check them out, uh, check out some of those resources and kind of get in, in, uh, inspired in your own personal life and community and school and everything else as well. But um, Colin, I, I appreciate you taking the time to share your story, uh, your trek across Canada and kind of the good work that's sort of come from that with outdoor education. So I uh, wish you the best of luck. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Have a good day. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you've made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life emotion. Until next time.